Good morning. Breaking overnight, crisis mode. The White House taking emergency steps to address the nationwide baby formula shortage, invoking a wartime act to boost supplies, and ordering U.S. planes to speed up shipments from overseas. This morning, everything parents need to know and why critics say the drastic measures should have come much sooner. Nosedive, all eyes on Wall Street after the worst drop in two years. The Dow plunging more than 1,100 points. Just ahead, the troubling news from major retailers that triggered the sell-off and the deepening fears of a looming recession. Alarming increase with COVID cases rising fast. Health officials sound a new alarm, telling tens of millions it's time to consider masking up again. Straight ahead, the area is seeing the biggest surge and the new testing recommendations for all Americans ahead of summer travel. Special delivery, a mom-to-be asleep on a cross-country flight suddenly goes into labor. There's no way I could just have this baby on the plane. The crew with no formal training springing into action. There was no space inside of me for any doubt. I just had to make sure that I, that I was there for her. They're sharing the remarkable story with us exclusively. Those stories plus, they made it. The first team of all black climbers to ever reach the summit of Mount Everest, celebrating their historic achievement with us live. Today, Thursday, May 19th, 2022. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie, and Oda Cutby, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Welcome in. It's a special Thursday morning. We do have a lot of news to cover. Our top story, that new action being taken by the White House to tackle the shortage of baby formula and help millions of desperate families. NBC's Kristen Welker joins us now with details on this. Hey, Kristen, good morning. Hi, Hoda and Savannah. Good morning to both of you. President Biden has been on defense over what critics say has been a slow response to the baby formula shortage. But now he's taking his strongest action to date, pushing private industry to ramp up production, adding urgency. The head of the FDA testifying on Capitol Hill today as families nationwide desperately await relief. Under growing pressure, President Biden now taking dramatic action to address the nationwide baby formula shortage. On Tuesday, he invoked the Defense Production Act, requiring suppliers of key formula ingredients to prioritize delivery to formula manufacturers. I've directed my team to do everything possible to ensure there's enough safe baby formula and that it's quickly reaching families that need it the most. The president also launching Operation Fly Formula, ordering the military to direct planes to transport formula to the U.S. from other countries. These drastic measures, usually reserved for wartime, coming after the crisis had been going on for months, leading to anger from voters and desperation from parents. That is the one goal in our, and as a parent is to make sure our child has what they need. Even some Democrats say the administration should have acted sooner. I give everybody an F on the entire spectrum of this. Nobody focused on this like they needed to. The formula shortage so severe, it's now leading to new hospitalizations. 11-week-old baby Chloe is one of at least four new cases linked to the shortage at the Medical University of South Carolina. Chloe had gastrointestinal surgery on Monday, but with allergies to dairy and soy, she needs a special formula that has been nearly impossible for her parents to find. Chloe's mother telling our Kate Snow. 
we had tried everything for her. Um, sorry. Um, we need to have her on the most hypoallergenic formula to see like if this will indeed help her to keep us out of the hospital. Incredibly painful for so many families. Administration officials say the order for private industry to ramp up production has gone out effective immediately, and those flights could take off within days. And overnight, the House passed two bills aimed at addressing the shortage and now heads to the Senate. Hoda? Yeah, can't come soon enough. All right, Kristen Welker for us there at the Capitol. Thanks, Kristen. Well, the other big story, record inflation across the country. And yesterday, it took a major toll on Wall Street. The Dow plunging nearly 1,200 points, its biggest one-day drop since the start of the pandemic after major retailers reported big losses. NBC's Tom Costello joins us with the story. Tom, good morning. Yeah, good morning. So from Wall Street to Main Street, we are seeing it at retailers across the country. Target and Walmart among those reporting very steep drops in profits because costs are soaring. Supply chain issues, inflation, fuel costs, all of that uh, really eating into their profits. And this is really hurting everyday Americans every single day. They, are, in fact, are deciding they need to cut back on their spending. On Wall Street, inflation alarm bells are ringing, sending stocks on Wednesday into a dramatic nosedive. The Dow closing lower, more than 1,100 points. The Dow suffering its biggest loss since 2020. After poor quarterly earnings from major retailers deepened concern of a looming recession. Target reporting a nearly 50% drop in profits from just a year ago. Walmart down more than 20%. Both companies blame rising costs on everything from fuel to labor. Their cost to do business was just much higher than they had originally anticipated. And consumers are feeling the pinch, especially at the grocery store, forcing some to ask, can I live without it? Ruth Simpson says she had to turn to a food pantry for help. The prices have been going up so high, and I, I can't keep up with this. Other saving tactics Americans are using, grocery store hopping, coupon clipping, and cutting back on expensive items like meat. Say I buy a whole chicken instead of uh, I might break it down and make chicken salad or some type of barbecue. Walmart says its shoppers are switching to its cheaper store brands, too, and opting for smaller sizes like half a gallon of milk. This is $73.55 for a full tank of gas. Meanwhile, little relief at the gas pump, with the national average now more than $4.50 a gallon and climbing. But experts say people are still willing to fill up, especially heading into the summer travel season. Americans uh, appear very resilient and eager to hit the road ahead of Memorial Day with gasoline consumption continuing to rally. And retailers say Americans are still spending, just prioritizing different items. We're seeing a shift in what they shop and how they're shopping right now. Target's CEO says shoppers are now skipping pandemic staples like TVs and bikes and instead buying things like kids' toys, apparel, and luggage. As birthday parties, social events like weddings, and summer vacations start to make a comeback. Yeah, we all pay for it every single day. We talk about gas prices. Listen to this stat. The average American is now going to spend about $5,000 for gasoline this year compared to about 2800 last year. Diesel fuel prices soaring. That means the cost of getting your items to the store soaring. Savannah? 
gosh, no relief in sight. Tom, thank you. Turning now to new COVID concerns, health officials are once again sounding the alarm with cases rising sharply across much of the nation. So the one silver lining, hospitalizations and deaths are not suggesting subvariants may be more contagious, but less severe. NBC's Stephanie Gosk has more on that. Hey, Steph, good morning. Hey, Hoda, good morning. According to the CDC, in this latest wave, cases have risen around 26% over the previous week. That's a threefold increase over last month as many workers return to office settings and then gear up for those summer vacations. A new wave of COVID infections is sweeping the nation. Federal officials calling the national uptick very substantial, with a third of the country experiencing high transmission rates. In areas where community levels are high, everyone should be using prevention measures and wearing a mask in public indoor settings. But the number of severe illnesses and deaths is lagging behind cases, thanks to the effectiveness of vaccines and Pfizer's antiviral medication Paxlovid. The rate of ICU hospital admissions is, is much lower than one would, what one would expect with infections. And then death numbers continue to be low. Obviously, want to continue to drive that lower. Some workplaces are reinstating mask requirements, including the big three auto plants in Michigan. It's to protect all of us. It really is. So I don't mind. While some had hoped the U.S. would be close to herd immunity by now, experts say that idea has been complicated by the unfortunate reality of reinfections. If you've just recovered from COVID-19, you can assume that you will have some short-term immunity against the strain that you got infected with as well as the new strains, but for how long that immunity lasts, we really don't know. And with the traditional summer travel season around the corner, the CDC is recommending all Americans test within three days of departure, even for fully vaccinated people traveling within the U.S. It's tough. It can be a huge inconvenience, but it will prevent further spread. I think the safer, the better. A new precaution to prevent a summer surge. The FDA has approved a Pfizer booster shot for children ages 5 to 11. Kids would be eligible for a third shot at least five months after completing their initial two-dose vaccine. All right, good. Steph Goss, good to see you. Thanks, good Steph. You Thank too. you. And out of the war in Ukraine, the U.S. reopening its embassy in Kiev, a symbolic move, even as fighting rages in the eastern part of the country. NBC's chief foreign correspondent Richard Engel has the very latest this morning. Richard, good morning to you. Good morning, Savannah. Yes, the U.S. Embassy is back in action. Fighting continues out here in the east. And the Ukrainian government says it is now doing everything it can to secure the release of hundreds of Ukrainian fighters who surrendered to Russian forces in the city of Mariupol. But Russia is now using them for propaganda purposes to try to portray Ukraine's resistance as extremist. Russia has been parading surrendering Ukrainian fighters through the streets of Mariupol. Russian officials say nearly 2,000 Ukrainian fighters surrendered this week after they were surrounded and made a last stand at a steel factory. Russia, describing them as neo-Nazis, says it will interrogate each one for possible crimes against civilians. Moscow seems to be sending a message after Ukraine put the first Russian soldier on trial for a war crime. The 21-year-old Russian sergeant pleaded guilty to shooting a Ukrainian civilian outside Kyiv and is potentially facing life in prison. His lawyer says he was ordered to shoot by his commander, who thought the Ukrainian would give away the Russian's position. In Kyiv, the United States is now back in business officially, 
raising the flag over the American embassy there. Diplomats were ordered out of the country in the early days of the war, when it seemed Russia might quickly take over the entire country. Instead, Russian troops were first driven back from Kyiv and now from around the eastern city of Kharkiv, where Ukrainian forces have been blowing up bridges to stop Russian advances. But while Russian troops are struggling to hold territory, their grip on the port city of Mariupol and a naval blockade in the Blacks are strangling Ukraine, cutting off many imports and the export of the country's most important commodity, grain. The head of the World Food Program made a direct appeal to President Putin to let Ukraine export its grain for the sake of global food security. It is absolutely essential that we allow these ports to open because this is not just about Ukraine. This is about the poorest of the poor around the world who are on the brink of starvation as we speak. So I ask President Putin, if you have any heart at all, to please open these ports. Today, President Biden meets with leaders from Finland and Sweden after the two nations yesterday formally submitted their bids to join NATO. Savannah. All right, Richard, thank you very much. We do have a lot more to get to. 714, Craig joins us. Hey, Craig. Hey, Hoda, Savannah. Good morning. Good morning to you as well. We've got some new developments this morning for you in the federal criminal investigation of President Biden's son, Hunter, his finances and his work overseas. NBC's senior Washington correspondent Hallie Jackson joins us with more. Hallie, good morning. Hey there, Craig. Good morning to you. And this morning, we're learning more about the president's son and the paying off of a multi-million dollar tax bill he owed. Now, the open question for both Hunter Biden legally and President Biden politically is whether or not there will be any charges in this federal criminal investigation. With federal prosecutors pouring over Hunter Biden's finances, investigating whether he violated federal tax law, this morning a representative for the president's son tells NBC News his IRS bill totaling about $2 million has been paid off. Two people familiar with the matter say the money was arranged by one of the younger Biden's new attorneys, Hollywood lawyer Kevin Morris, best known for brokering a deal for the South Park TV show. Does paying that tax bill wash away any liability that Hunter Biden may have now? Paying the tax bill, if in fact that's what he did, doesn't undo the crime. It would be like returning money to a bank that you robbed. You still rob the bank. The president's son and his company brought in about $11 million between 2013 and 2018, working as an attorney, a board member to a Ukrainian gas company accused of bribing a prosecutor, and for a joint venture involving a Chinese businessman now accused of fraud, according to an NBC News analysis of a copy of Biden's hard drive and iCloud account obtained by NBC from a representative for Rudy Giuliani, as well as documents released by a Senate committee. During the campaign, then-candidate Biden denied his son profited off a China connection. My son has not made money in terms of this thing about, uh, what are you talking about, China. The records show Hunter Biden's company received nearly $5 million in consulting contracts from that joint venture funded by a Chinese energy company. A snapshot of Hunter Biden's spending shows that for about five months in late 2017 and early 2018, he spent more than $200,000 a month on things like luxury hotel rooms, cash withdrawals, dental work, and payments on a Porsche, according to documents on the hard drive, a time period in which Hunter Biden has acknowledged struggling with drug addiction. His laptop itself, a subject of controversy after documents recovered from it were brought to light by the Biden's political opponents. And with the chain of custody in question, in 2020, some experts suggested the laptop's contents bore hallmarks of a Russian disinformation campaign. 
Since then, several news organizations have authenticated many emails from the laptop. The president has defended his son. I'm confident. And Hunter Biden has denied any illegal business dealings. I'm cooperating um, completely. And I am absolutely certain, 100% certain, that at the end of the investigation, that I will be cleared of any wrongdoing. Experts point out family members of a president who hold no official job in the administration are not bound by any government ethics rules. Hunter Biden's attorney did not comment on the record, and the White House has not responded to our request for comment. Craig? Our senior Washington correspondent, Hallie Jackson Force. Hallie, thank you. All right. Well, around here, there is oh, no tough. man. We are hanging oh, on every word yes. more than Al Roker. Sir. What's you called like? it yesterday. Well, okay. But we're going to get to that in just a moment. Oh. But, but first, we've got some severe weather oh. to talk about. We've got some strong storms firing up in the plains. Also, here in the east, we've got that rain, which we'll talk about. But 29 million of us are dealing with severe weather today. We're looking at uh, strong winds possibility of tornadoes, wind gusts of 60 miles per hour, and large hail. And then tomorrow, that switches from Chicago all the way down to Dallas for 22 million people. Isolated tornadoes possible, wind gusts of up to 60 miles per hour. The severe risk for the upper Midwest today as this front pushes in strong storms through the southeast. Tomorrow, the secondary cold front becomes the more dominant feature. Storms will erupt from Michigan all the way down to Texas. We're looking at showers and thunderstorms advancing into the Ohio Valley on Saturday. Areas of heavy rain, we could be looking at some localized flooding. Rainfall amounts just continually coming down over already saturated ground. We could be looking at one to three inches of rain before it's all over. All right, that's your latest weather. Oh, thank you. Awesome. Well, still ahead, imagine this. You fall asleep on a plane oh. only to wake up and realize you're in labor. It happened to the woman you're about to meet. She is now thanking the flight attendants who remained calm under pressure and helped her bring her baby safely into the world. We're gonna meet them all just ahead. Plus, new history high atop Mount Everest, the very first all black climbing team to reach the summit. And this morning, members of that record setting group, <laughs> they're celebrating with us live. Can't wait, but first, this is today on NBC. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're back. Thanks for joining us this morning. Let's get to your headline. 7.30 Thursday morning, the U.S. has identified its first monkeypox case of the year. Massachusetts health officials say a man who recently traveled to Canada was infected with the virus. Monkeypox rarely appears outside Central and Western Africa. The patient has been hospitalized and said to be in good condition. 
Officials say his case does not pose a risk to the public. The notorious farmer bro, Martin Shkreling, has been released from prison about four years into his seven-year sentence. The pharmaceutical investor is known for taking a rare life-saving drug and raising its price more than 4,000%. Back in 2018, he was found guilty of defrauding investors. Shkreli has been transferred to a community confinement program, which is the equivalent of a halfway house. He is expected to be released from federal custody in September. Pop superstar Taylor Swift has almost every award and accolade you can think of, and now she can add honorary doctorate to that list. The singer-songwriter receiving that distinction from NYU, New York University, where she gave the commencement address yesterday at Yankee Stadium. I'd like to thank NYU for making me, technically, on paper at least, a doctor. Not the type of doctor you would want around in case of an emergency. Swift uh, told the graduates that making mistakes is inevitable, but when hard things happen to us, we grow more resilient because of it. Dr. Swift. Yeah. A class at NYU that's a Taylor Swift class. Oh, really? That, yeah. Right. yeah okay. the kids are still trying to get into. Yeah. <laughs> now to the story behind this life-changing flight that ended up with an extra, well, unticketed passenger <laughs> on board. A pregnant woman on a trip from Denver to Orlando realized that her baby was on the way, so the flight crew sprang into action. Yeah, NBC's Sam Brock has more on this mid-air special delivery. Uh, hey, Sam, good morning. Uh, guys, good morning. Look, I know everyone is wondering how early was this baby? Shakiria Martin said only a couple of weeks early. It was actually the second leg of her trip. The first one from California to Denver went off fine. On the second leg to Orlando, she was sound asleep when contractions woke her up. Luckily, her now four-month-old baby was in very good hands. Jada Lynn Sky was airborne, but not yet born, on a frontier flight from Denver to Orlando when she surprised her mom-to-be, Shakiria Martin. I was feeling fine and everything, and so I had went to sleep, and I woke up, and my contractions was, yeah. So your contractions woke you up in the middle of that flight? Yes, yep. And the first thought that runs through your mind is what? Just cannot be, there's no way I could just have this baby on the plane. But Mother Nature had her own plans. Shakiria, now a mother of four, says it all happened quickly. She was guided to the back of the plane and shortly after went into the bathroom where she gave birth. I go into the bathroom and like two big pushes and the baby comes out. You went into the bathroom pregnant and you came out of the bathroom with the baby. Yeah. <laughs> While none of the crew had formal childbirth training, a team of people well-versed in emergency response all pitched in throughout the plane. The pilot turned over flying duties to the first officer and coordinated an emergency landing in Pensacola. Several flight attendants gathered medical equipment while shielding Shakiria in the back of the plane. One of them, Diana Hiraldo, a calming presence, helped with the delivery. I'm an older sister, so to me it's like, I saw this young woman, she was frightened, she was uncomfortable. There was no space inside of me for any doubt. I just had to make sure that I, that I was there for her. For Giraldo, the scariest part came after delivery when the baby had trouble breathing. So Giraldo wrapped her in a blanket and held the newborn at an incline in an effort to clear away any fluid. After a while, she started reacting, getting color back, and she started kind of like gargling a little bit and, and moving, which was a happy moment for all of us. It's a beautiful thing to bring life into the world. The flight's captain called Giraldo's actions exemplary. 
Shakiria Martin, thankful for her baby's perfect landing. I do want to give like a big shot to the whole crew because they made me feel so much more comfortable. And Jada Lynn's middle name, Sky, named that way, of course, because of the circumstances of her birth. And guys, if you can believe this, it might not have been Shakira's wildest childbirth experience. Her third kid, she was driving to the hospital, speeding at the time, according to the sheriff's deputy, clocking her at about 90 miles an hour. So she gets pulled over and the sheriff's deputy has to deliver the baby on the side of the road. I will tell you. There was oh, no ticket there. They decided to let that one slide. <laughs> so who knows what baby number five oh, wow. might walk into. Hey, wow. Man. And, and driving herself to the hospital, right. too. Another another one. Her wow. babies are in a hurry. Yeah. If, she gets, if, if there's a fit, she should probably do some bed rest. Yeah. Toward Thank, the you, Thank you, Sam. Man, up next, uh, we are about to meet a groundbreaking group of climbers. The first all-black team to scale Mount Everest. And they're going to take us inside the history they just made and what they hope it will lead to right after this. Join Hoda Kotb for a brand new season of her podcast, Making Space. For season five, I am making space to talk to people who are providing a sense of hope and inspiration when life changes course. Uplifting conversations with inspiring individuals like NFL legend Drew Brees, singer-songwriter Ziggy Marley, and today's show co-anchor Savannah Guthrie as you have never heard her before. I found faith more viscerally not because the bad thing didn't happen, but because it did. I promise you, like me, will leave these conversations with some wisdom for your own journey, empowered and inspired to make space in your own life. New episodes of Making Space with Hoda Kotb are released every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. He would lie his way into their dreams. He was looking for James Bond girls. How fun would that be to be a Bond girl? then twist them into a nightmare. This guy's done this before. He'll do it again. Until a group of women banded together to put him behind bars and keep him there. You have to participate fiercely, fiercely in what happens next. I'm Keith Morrison, and this is Murder in the Hollywood Hills, an all-new podcast from Dateline. All episodes of Murder in the Hollywood Hills are available now. To listen ad-free, subscribe to Dateline Premium on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or DatelinePremium.com. Go back to 7.40 with In-Depth today. This morning, a remarkable team of history makers. Yes, yes. The Full Circle Everest Expedition recently became the first all-black climbing group to summit the world's tallest mountain. We're going to talk to them in just a few moments. And we're looking forward to that. But first, a little bit more on their remarkable journey and their hopes that it will inspire future generations of climbers. It was a groundbreaking moment on top of the world's highest peak. Seven members of the Full Circle Everest Expedition celebrating their successful summit, all while making history as the first all-black climbing group to reach the top of Mount Everest. Team leader Phil Henderson sharing the good news on Instagram, writing in part, all members of the Climb and Sherpa teams have safely returned to base camp where we will celebrate this historic moment. After ascending Mount Rainier in Washington last year, the team set its sights to greater heights, and for months they worked toward their Everest goal, documenting their journey along the way. The team left base camp on May 2nd to start the climb. And after a week, they shared their progress, posting on Instagram. After countless hours of training, preparing, and dedication, the team is getting ready to make a push for the summit. 
Three days later, their perseverance paid off, and in one expedition, they nearly doubled the number of black climbers who have reached the peak. But for the team, scaling Mount Everest was always more than just an experience. Their intent was to inspire the next generation of outdoor enthusiasts in black communities. Climber Fred Campbell sharing the team's mission statement on today. I hope that they see our experience and how much we love being out on the mountain and kind of enjoying the adventure, and they're inspired to find an adventure of their own. Now, one team's path to success, a symbol of how to make dreams a reality. Well, now let's meet some of the team. They're <laughs> celebrating this morning. Rosemary Saul and Manoa Anu were two of the climbers who summited. And Philip Henderson is the leader of the group who was on the mountain and saw his vision fulfilled when seven members of the team reached the summit. Good morning to all of you. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks so much for having us. We're thrilled to have you. We know it's evening time there, and you guys are celebrating a successful <laughs> summit. I'll start with you, Manoa. Um, you're a professional climber, but this was your first time at the top of Everest. Did it meet your expectations? Yeah, I exceeded. Exceeded. What yeah, was it like up there? It's really amazing here. Uh, up there, yeah. It's a little cold. So. <laughs> <laughs> there is a little thin, but, you know, down here and you know, on the journey through, yeah, to, to the top of the world. Every place is amazing, everyone is amazing, so, um, yeah, it's all good. Rosemary, it, this is like a, a huge personal accomplishment for you, but it's also a big accomplishment for African Americans in general. We were talking about how only 10 African Americans have ever done this, what you guys did. What does it mean to you and what does it mean in a greater sense? Absolutely. And I think it's even uh, bigger, as you said, only 10 African-Americans. I think that's 10 black folks globally. So not even necessarily even fewer than that um, African-Americans have made it to the summit. Uh, but yeah, this is a huge accomplishment uh, just for each of us on our team, for the Full Circle team, for our Sherpa team, for all of the support that we've had. Um, and now we're able to take this experience and take it back to our communities um, and tell the stories, share what we've learned of this beautiful place and culture, um, and hopefully inspire a future generation of outdoor enthusiasts. No doubt you will. Phil, uh, this, this is your group. You're the, you're the team leader. I explain to folks why this was so important for you. Why, why were you uh, so hell-bent on, on getting folks to the top of Everest? Well, there's a, a number of reasons, but one, you know, I mean, I've been working in the in the industry now, the industry for almost three decades, and when I came into it, you know, there weren't folks like myself that I had to, to look to, you know, for guidance and mentorship and so on, and not that I haven't had mentors, but I, you know, after three decades, I kind of found myself in that place to, to mentor, you know, different members of this team and so on, and so that's a part of it, but the other part is that you know, I've had a relationship with people in Nepal and the Sherpa community, and I've helped train a lot of them in their in their craft of working as high altitude workers. And I just wanted to really share my love and my community with the Sherpa people, with the community that I have at home as well. So uh, it was really important in a lot of ways. Yeah. We want to congratulate all mm -hmm. of you. You're on top of the world in every way, <laughs> and thank you so much for inspiring others. Here, here. 
Thank you so much. Thank you. Keep celebrating, okay? Yes. <laughs> we heard there were a couple oh, no. margaritas. Have a few. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cheers. Yeah. Hey. Right. There you go. Cheers. No need to hide those. <laughs> when you say it's five o'clock somewhere, it literally <laughs> is. It's five o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. All right, let's. <laughs> it is coming at seven forty-six. Time for a check of the weather, Mr. Roker. So let's show you what we've got as far as your weather is concerned. The rain is letting up. That's the good news. Uh, now we go out west. 16 million people under fire weather watches or, or red flag warnings. Talk about fire to ice. Look at this in the northern Rockies. Denver, your high today, 89 with a high fire danger. Tomorrow, a high of 49, but rain changes over to snow. That's crazy. Rest of the west, we're looking at near record temperatures stretching from the Rockies all the way into the southeast. Near records for Myrtle Beach, Atlanta, Memphis. Then for tomorrow, it moves up to north. Cleveland, you may set a record at 93. Richmond, 95. Dallas, 97. Charleston, 94 degrees. And as we head out into the weekend, Lazian temperatures. New York City, mid-80s as we get into the weekend. Raleigh, you're going to be in the low to mid-90s. Cleveland, you'll cool down by Monday to 64. But you've got some fantastic weather. All right, guys. That's your latest weather. Love you, Al. That's awesome, man. Al, bring it up. Let's go. Oh, we've got lots more ahead, including some new drama at the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial as her sister takes the stand. What she had to say in court. Coming up, your 8 o'clock hour.